We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Today, we're previewing the Boston Red Sox with Chad Jennings from The Athletic. He's been on the show a number of times. Always great to talk to you. Chad, what's up? Hey, nothing. Uh, we're, uh, we were just a little bit before this started talking about how it kind of feels like it's a little bit back to normal. Still kind of weird, but, uh, <laughs> you know... Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it feels good to at least, uh, you know, get going after, you know, gosh, two years and then a lockout that wouldn't end. And, uh, so yeah, this feels like finally there's traction, right? Like finally we're moving toward a sort of normal baseball season. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to get the full season in, even if it is a week delayed. Although I was joking on a recent show, it's like, it's been 30 degrees in the Northeast. Like no one wants to play baseball in this weather. So start the season in mid April for all I care. So it's a little bit warmer out when we're playing these games. Right. Yeah. We've Red Sox opened, well, they open in New York and then it's like to Detroit and you know, we're not even getting, you know, snow games and all that stuff. (laughs) Can we go to Dallas right now? Why are we not? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've, we've, said before it's like well they could always every team could start in a warm weather or a dome but you can't do that every year because that's kind yeah. of just like stripping well, and the, and the fans warm away weather from. the warm weather cities always say that for their for their fans that fit that time of year feels cold to them too do you know what i mean like <laughs> relative to what they're used to like they, that's yeah. not the time they're going to draw that well so uh yeah. so they don't really want to do that either anyway yeah i'm not going to really feel bad for for someone who thinks like 60 degrees is, oh, is cold totally yeah yeah no my uh my patience for that has has gone <laughs> yeah so the red sox obviously last last year we got the wild card game it was it, it i thought there was a good amount of hype going into that wild card mm-hmm. game yankees red sox obviously do or die playoff game between the the rival yeah. our rivals even yeah, if yeah. that rivalry has diminished a bit over over time and then the Red Sox made a, a pretty deep playoff run. 
I don't want to say their season came out of nowhere because I even remember talking to you before the season started and you you laid out how how if they're going to be good this year, how they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. And you basically said they're going to mash the ball. And then that's yeah. what they did. They hit the ball. Mm-hmm. But was there is there a little bit of a feeling like last year was an overachievement or or was it just that this is the team they thought they had? No, I, I think I kept saying that last year, especially at the half, the first half, and then it kept playing out. But I was like, it's proof of concept, right? That, yes, they the Red Sox last year were not kind of the typical like all-in trade prospects away, sign a huge name. But the concept was like, you don't have to be that to be competitive. Like there will be a time where you go, okay, maybe we go super all in this year, but but maybe you can be a good team in a big market like this that doesn't feel the need to make the huge splash every year and can still line up things where it's like, okay, yeah, like it's not perfect, but there are ways this can work. You know, you sign a Hunter Renfro, sign Kike Hernandez, and, and you know, there's a lot to like there. And if it works, it works, and you're going to be good. And that's what happened with them. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know that it was a fluke so much as it was uh, kind of the, the, it was the way they were designed and some things played out well. They also are big, they're big on depth now. Um, and, yeah. and some of that helped them, you know, they, they had a lot more pitching depth in 21 than they had in 20. And so second half of the season, you know, when Garrett Richards obviously struggled for a while when they could no longer use the sticky stuff on their fingers and he, it took him a while to kind of get back and that, but they had other starters they could move in. Right. And then, you know, he and Martin Perez moved to the pen and it, they, the depth really, I think helped them. And, and that played out pretty well too. And was, was sort of what kind of helped sustain them. Well, Heim Bloom totally changed the philosophy of how that, like from Dombrowski to Heim Bloom, that's a complete oh, yeah. 180. Totally. And, and I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of follow Red Sox news closer than any other team, not, not the Yankees, just right. because they're the Red Sox. <laughs> uh, but, but it was, it almost felt like there's like a little bit of a feeling of the Red Sox were being cheap on the free agent market, but then they, they signed Story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not exactly like a perfect fit. Obviously, he's going to play second base. And maybe if Bogarts moves on, opts out of his contract, he can slide over to shortstop. But that's not like a a move that was obvious for the Red Sox to make. So it's interesting that that's the guy they they decided to go with on the free agent market. Yeah, I, I thought when they made the Renfro trade, when they traded away with Renfro and brought in Jackie Bradley, brought him back, I thought, okay, this lines up where they're going to spend money and they're going to spend it on a right fielder, right? They're going to make right. Jackie more like a fourth outfielder type and go out and get whoever. Bryant, bring back Schwarber, maybe play him in left, move or do go to right, something, get some sort of corner outfielder. Um, but I think the decision to go with Story, I think that speaks a little bit to the way, again, you talk about the way Heim Bloom runs things. The obvious plug and play there was an outfielder, was a big bat that could play that corner where you've kind of opened something. But, but Heim talks a lot about sustainability. And when the Red Sox talked about Story as a perfect fit, I think some of that was they acknowledge that they might not have Bogarts back next year. Right. And so for them, the perfect fit was, does this guy make us better this year? And story does, right? He up, obviously upgrades second base. He gives them that big right-handed bat that they were missing. But also, if you start looking bigger picture, he gives them an alternative at short if they can't bring Bogarts back. And the timing, you know, should work out pretty well if some of those young kids, Marcelo Mayer, the, their first pick last year, uh, Nick York for the year before that, like those middle infield guys, if it does work with them, 
the timetable's pretty great in terms of being able to slot them in kind of at the end of that story deal. So uh, I, I think the sustainable way that Heim's trying to build the organization is what made story the choice because he fits he fits this year, but the bigger picture is he fits he gives them alternatives and options going forward as well. So do you think the plan is to try and extend Bogarts? Like what would stop them from doing that? It's hard to tell. I, I, I really, that's another thing that I've said before and, and have talked to a lot of people about with Heim seems never to, I think we always talk about like, what's the solution, right? What's the answer here? And I don't, I really don't think that's the way they think about it these days. I think that they try to approach everything with like, there's, there's always a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D and, and their, their fingers are everywhere. Right. Like, so yeah. yeah, I think they would like to bring back Bogarts. I think there's a, I think there's absolutely a, a way for them to extend Devers, extend Bogarts and have story and build around those three for the next five years. Um, and, and I mean, the way their farm systems lined up, I think that could work. I just think that's, that's a very realistic possibility, but I don't think if you're the team that traded Buki Betts, you're willing to move on from anyone. That, that's just, where, and, and yeah. so I think, so yeah, could they, absolutely, I think, and I think they really like Xander. Xander is a, uh, he's a really good clubhouse guy, a good leader. He's the guy who kind of, uh, you can tell that the kids in the organization look to him as kind of like the model of what to do. And I think the Red Sox acknowledge that and like that. Um, so I do think they would love to have him back. How old but is Bogarts? Twenty nine. He seems like he's been in the league forever. Like, what didn't he, he come up, up in twenty? He was twenty when he, he yeah, made his it, debut in twenty for that two thousand thirteen team. That's a, yeah, that's crazy. I would have yeah, guessed yeah. just because he's been around so long. I had figured he's thirty three years old or something. Yeah. But yeah, he's he he's if he opts out, he would he would be a top free agent uh, on the market. Yeah, and, and who knows? Maybe, maybe Correa is back on the market next year too. Mm -hmm. um, if he opts out, so but. So there, there was a there was a a feeling that Mookie Betts wasn't completely all in on Boston, and that was one of the reasons. Yeah, is that I overblown? I think it's overblown. Okay. I, I really do. I mean, I, I I just think that for Mookie, it, it I, I really think that so, to some extent he recognized that he was one of the the one of the elite guys in the game, right? And I do think he felt some like. You know, I don't know if it's a, I think there were maybe two things. Like he felt some almost like responsibility to help set a market, right? Like he's, it was sort of part of his job as that high-end guy to like set a bar. That's agent but, talk though. That's like players I know, union but I stuff. Know, but I think, but I do think he might've felt some of that. Like I'm supposed to be this thing. Um, but I also think he, I think he liked Boston. I think he was fine here, but I just don't think you know, he's a guy from Nashville. Like he, and and I think he wants to. That's going to be his home. Like he, I don't think he was looking for, uh, uh, like the the place that he he wasn't looking to sign some place where like this is going to be where he is for the rest of his life. Like he kind of knows baseball is a thing he's going to do for this one little twenty year window in his life, and whatever you know, you kind of make the most of that and then go. I don't think it was necessarily anti Boston so much as it was. It, it, it's whatever like he can do this anywhere sure for a good team um so yeah i don't think he felt any like any I, oh man i have to be in boston my whole career if that's i think that's the case 
but I don't think it was like, I got to get the hell out of Austin. It was just whatever. Right. And like most things, it comes down to money and it doesn't seem like the Red Sox were willing to give him the same level of contract that the Dodgers ended up giving him. Yeah. So yeah. will the Red Sox be willing to give Bogarts the level of contract that he'll be looking for, which is probably what Seager got on the market this offseason, right? That's got to be the I starting think, point. Yeah. And I think that's the question is if that's if if Xander is going to insist on coming back at a huge open market deal, then I don't know if he'll be back. Um, you know, I mean, he signed the extension he signed, whatever that was before 19, right? Yeah. Um, it's paying him what, like 20 million a year, which is obviously below market value now. But so, you know, is he willing to do that for, uh, I, I don't know. It's just going to be, you know, if he, if he's, yeah, I think if he's going to want a full massive open market deal, I, I don't know if they're going to want to go there for a guy who's about to turn 30. Um, but I also think Xander feels some of that tied to Boston that Mookie maybe doesn't or didn't. I think. Now, I don't know. I mean, Boris is his agent, so who knows if he gets talked out of that and is told, like, hey, look, let's go to the market. and, and Boris and, clients don't sign extensions. Yeah, but he did. I mean, you know, That's a, true. I mean, an yeah, extension I mean, with an opt-out. But, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, it's, to some extent, it's, you know, it's it's going to be, is does Xander want to come here for a little bit less, maybe, than what he can get open market? And he might. Um, but... You know, I don't know. I mean, you know, he may he may really, you know, prefer that uh, that stability, but it's hard to tell. I mean, the, you know, these guys, it's it's always an easy thing for us to look at and be like, it's a lot of money, man. Just be where you're happy and do it. But I mean, they're, it's a different world. You can't compare so, the money. Yeah, you can't it, compare it. You can't. It's, it's a totally different deal. Right. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I don't if he decides to hit the open market, if you're the Red Sox, I don't think you can say like. Oh, he abandoned us or something like, no, it's just, this is what the, this is what it is, you know? So, uh, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Is it going to be a running narrative with the team all year as is the judge extension? If nothing gets done before opening day. Oh yeah. Yeah. It'll yeah. be a big thing, especially now that story's here, right? Like uh, there, that there's a possibility of a replacement, you know, and, um, but it's him and Devers both. I mean, Devers only has one more year of team control after this. So it's those two guys both. The, the if they were only clocks ticking, if they were to only pick one of those guys to give the big contract to, do you think it would be Devers? I, I do. Um, but I would caveat that a little bit by saying that Devers is also going to be probably bigger, like, right? Like, I mean, he's a younger player, um, you know, more prime years left. So. Yeah, I mean, if you get to pick one, you'd pick Devers, I think. But also, you know, what's the price difference there, and and all that stuff. So, yeah. you know, I think they're it's it's also not totally out of the realm of possibility that in, that they don't do Devers and they do Bogarts. Um, but I think if you had a preference, I think you'd rather do Devers just because he's younger and and seems to be, you know, just now kind of fulfilling everything that he could be. Well, you have the insurance built in with Story. So yeah. Yeah, as you're negotiating with Bogarts, he, he yes, still has leverage because he's a fantastic player. But the Red Sox, like, we have we have an all-star level shortstop that can just slide in there. It's not like we're going to totally. be sitting there with, with no shortstop. So, yeah, and in, in the span of, like, 72 hours, I think, he it went from, like, Xander's going to be the star shortstop on the market next year to, well, now, now Correa could be a free agent again next year. And now the Red Sox have a backup plan at shortstop if you yep. become a free agent. So like, 
it, it, it can't have been the best 72 hours for, he for him in terms of like his his uh prospects for this next offseason. He said all the right things though. I was reading some quotes totally. that he and said. And he does. That's again, that's part of why I think that that they like him so much. He he really is good in that role. That whole like face of the franchise thing and kind of model citizen that you want your young kids to look at. He's he's good at that. Now yeah. now whether that's enough to you know, you know, do you pay a guy for that? <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't hurt. Um, but it doesn't hurt and he is you know, especially for a franchise that I think is trying to transition a little bit, right? A little bit away from that free agent roster building model to something more sustainable, more stronger farm system, uh, more willingness to move guys up into roles. It's not the worst time to have, a, you know, a guy who's been with your organization for 10 years and who you know and trust to be kind of the model. Uh, it's not a bad time to have that guy kind of at the front of the classroom, you know. You mentioned at the top, that the Red Sox kind of realized that it's okay to put a good team on the field and compete mm-hmm. this is a tough division to just put a yeah. good team on the field yeah. and expect. I mean, yes, there's expanded playoffs, so they could still be a, a wild card team, no problem. But you can't just win. You can't win this division with just a good team. Yeah, and but uh, I mean, they also were the they finished second in the division last year. With no, no, I'm not so, saying I'm not yeah, saying but, they're only going to be just a good team. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, this is a juggernaut of division. Oh, totally. any, any of the four top four teams could win. Uh, honestly, I could see it playing out any of any four slots. Com- each I completely team. agree. Um, well, and I would also say, though, that I have a harder time seeing it playing out for the Rays, but I feel that way every year. And then the Rays do it. So I don't know what it is that they have. 100 wins last year. They're, they're <laughs> yeah. not going to they're not they're not yeah. going to be an 83 win I, team. Yeah. All of a sudden. Yeah, completely agree. Um, but yeah, I don't. And that's but that's also, I think, why they needed to do the story deal. Right. I mean, it was. I, they went into spring training started and, you know, you could put together an eight man bullpen and a five man rotation and a full starting line and be like, all right, this team's okay. But then, you know, they go out and they get Deakman and Strom and they, they kind of improve their bullpen a little bit and they go out and get story to get the big bat. Like they, they needed, they, they were okay going into spring training. The fact they got some of these signings done and then made the splash with story, I think put them you know, maybe again, you can't say that they're that they're like the favorite for the division, but it put them in there where you can say, okay, I, I, now I see how this works. Where yeah. there is a world in which this team could win the division, and they're going to score. Obviously, I was reading something uh, earlier today that between Story, JD Martinez, Devers, and Bogarts, they all rank in the top eleven for extra base hits in baseball over the last four seasons. Yeah, so, so that's four yeah. out of your nine slots who are in yeah. the top 11 in extra base hits. They're yeah. going to score. Is there enough pitching on this roster to allow the offense to win a ton of games for them? Because the sale injury obviously is, yeah. is massive to start the season. Eduardo Rodriguez, I, I'm surprised that he got that much on the open market, but mm-hmm. then again, he's been a pretty solid starting pitcher. Yeah. So he's... It, yeah, Eduardo's been just really reliable, and I think that's and which which is amazing because I mean even go back to seventeen or so he was so he felt very inconsistent, and then it's kind of like he just found his groove as kind of like that not not an ace or anything, but a good just reliable guy to stick in there. You're going to win games behind him. You need um, you need those guys. Yeah, but yeah, I think the pitching's interesting to me because they they've obviously really loaded up on depth there, um, even with Sale out. You know, they've got, you know, they get Waka at the back end. 
take a shot on Rich Hill, you know, staying viable into his 40s. Uh, Nick Pavetta, great sort of comeback year last season. Um, Tanner Houck moves into the rotation. They still have Garrett Whitlock, um, who they could make a starter, but I think they're going to... So there's depth there. And they have a full... I mean, they have like four guys on their 40-man who are going to be in AAA. So that there's more pitching depth. It's just... And so that's good. I think that they're they're happy with that. But you just have to... Is, are Evaldi and Sale, is that a legit one-two? And it could be. I mean, shoot. Evaldi was before. a... Yeah, it was like a mid-ballot Cy Young candidate last year. And yeah. Sale is Sale. So... It could be enough pitching where, you know, they don't have Garrett Cole, but they have two guys who it's not out of the realm of possibility that they're going to be like top 10 starters in the American League. Right. Um, and then and then with a lot of depth behind it. So you can see how it'll work. But yeah, I think that's in the rotation and in the bullpen. Again, it's one of those where like you can, it's not hard to envision a world where it works and they're pretty good, but there are a lot of questions there too, where you, you there's, there's not much there where you look at and go, Oh, that's the sure thing, right? They don't, they don't have that. The Yankees have Chapman and Cole who you can go, okay, like boom, put those guys in. Sure. But I mean, it didn't work out that way last yeah. year. I mean, yeah. Cole, Cole was great start to finish. I think he was injured at the end of the year, the sticky stuff. I think he, uh, declined a little bit after the sticky stuff, but mm-hmm. a lot of pitchers did as well. Right. Chapman got pulled from the closer role in midseason. So just yeah. because you have a role this Chapman making $17 million in the back of your True. bullpen doesn't mean it's it's not Mariano yeah. Rivera anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody was spoiled there for a yeah. long time. I was spoiled of, there for a long time. About it. Yeah. Covering them, I was spoiled. Like, you know, you could have your story done in the eighth because Mo sure. was coming in the ninth. And if Mo blew it, that was the That's whole story. That's the bigger so. story. <laughs> Yeah. The three yeah, times a year he easy. blew a save. Yeah. 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 And he you'd go in and like people we'd ask him questions and he'd literally like put his arm on someone's shoulder and be like, it's gonna be okay. It's like <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it always was. I mean, it's yeah. amazing. Even yeah. after he blew the highest profile two of the most high profile right. blown saves in major yep. league baseball history. Amazing. Didn't freaking matter. No, no, just yeah, he, the perspective of that guy was awesome. Yeah. No, but so, I mean, the boat, I, I, you're right. I think the rotation does have, they have bodies there that, mm-hmm. that can, the depth they didn't have the bullpen though. I know the, the Red Sox over the last couple seasons, and especially with Cora, so many pitching changes, so many yeah. very analytically driven. These guys have their slots. Um, they're going to make a lot of pitching changes. Is is that their plan still with just all of these different bullpen arms? It seems like it. You know, they, they've got a lot of guys who could kind of mix and match in there. They've got, I mean, they've loaded up on some lefties. Um, you know, he, when was that? In 19. Yeah, it was 19. Because after they, you know, they had Kimbrell as the closer in 18. And they go into 19 and Cora thought he'd try the thing with no closer and have Matt Barnes just pitch the highest leverage inning every night. And which all makes sense on paper, right? Like give your best guy, don't work, don't chase saves. And it just I mean, it wore him down, man. It, like you can't put, you make a guy deal with that much stress night after night after night. And it, it and even core admitted, he was like, it just, I didn't factor. It just beat him up. Yeah. Um, so I do think he'll end up with somewhat of a defined role. Like, I mean, he'll, I would assume it'll be Barnes as a closer again. Barnes has looked really good this spring again at spring training. So I, I say that and then also feel like an idiot for saying it, yeah. but, uh, 
so I mean, I think it'll be a little bit more defined than just purely matchups every inning where anybody could go anywhere. But uh, but I do think that there's a lot of I don't know like that there's a defined setup guy. I think it's going to be kind of four guys who he can mix and match in the seventh and eighth, and they've got if they have Whitlock in the bullpen. Uh, you know, maybe they'll end up with they could end up with Darwinson Hernandez in the bullpen too, where he's gonna they're gonna stretch those guys out as like the three inning guys, and uh, you know they'll kind of go from there. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of there gonna be a lot of guys bouncing between roles for sure. That's an interesting point that Cora made about the stress of the high leverage innings wearing a guy down. It's not something he factored in, and and that's a reason why. I appreciate analytics, but it can't be the whole story mm-hmm. because it's yeah. still a human game. <laughs> and if a yeah. guy's always pitching in the highest leverage points, it, it's going to wear him down, not just mentally, but physically as well. You yeah. have to you have to be sharper. You have to throw harder. You have to be on your game every night. So, yeah, you're, it's, it's one thing. Uh, um, somebody told me once about the, the, you know, we knock all these pitchers now for like only throwing 100 pitches when guys used to go, you know, 140 every night. And he's like, you don't understand though that guys used to be able to kind of coast on a few pitches. And he's like, right. now that's just not every, these guys are throwing every pitch like with as much, with as much intensity as possible. And he's, he said, that's also why it's taking longer. Like they're taking, yep. you know, it's taken between, you know, whatever, maybe it used to be 15 seconds between pitches and now it's 20. And you're like, they're yet. They're a little bit more, <laughs> they're, they're resting their arm just a little bit longer between there, pitches because they've got to was- gear up for another big one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There was a great video on Twitter a couple years back. of It was a side-by-side of David Price, who was mm-hmm. notoriously slow on the mound. And then I forget who it was for the Red Sox, I think in the, the 78 playoff game <laughs> yeah. against the Yankees. Yeah. The guy threw two full pitches before David Price even threw one pitch. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah I so, saw that. Yeah, it's great. and it's 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 all of those little things that add up in the game as to why it's slower today. It's it's not just that the pitchers take longer. It's not just that every it, that there's more three true outcomes. It, it's right. all of the things, all of the above that that make the games <clears throat> slower and have less action. Yeah. Um. The uh, was I was going to make a point about um. <clears throat> can't remember what I was going to say about, about the, the bullpen arms, but yeah, so it's, and I think Cora does, I mean, his impact can't be understated, right? On um, returning to the dugout and all of a sudden the team is back on track. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's harsh. It's hard to judge Ron Renke based on 2020. I mean, there were just a billion things that went wrong that year and it was an impossible year to be a manager. Um, 
But I do think Cora's return, there is something about that guy, man. I, I, I don't know what it is. There's a, uh, there's a confidence. There's even, you know, for a guy who got wrapped up in the whole, not wrapped up, but was obviously a key part in the whole Astro scandal, like just even the way he handled that, right? I mean, like answering questions about it, talking it through, admitting, like it was, there's an accountability to him. I, I will never forget his first year here, early in the year, I think it was against the Yankees. The Red Sox had this big comeback late in the game. And he had, I think he had JD playing left field. And they go out for the ninth and he didn't put Jackie in for defense. And so after the game, we're all like, why didn't you make the defensive switch there once you took the lead? And he goes, oh, I just forgot. He was like, he was like I got so wrapped up in the comeback, I totally forgot to do it. That's and, amazing. And it was so like, oh, What do okay. you say to that? Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. You, forgot. you made a mistake. And also, you know, what you think players don't notice that, you know, I mean, yeah. they, there's, so there, there's a, it's weird to say the guy who was a part of the sign stealing scandal is like good because he's accountable, but it, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of true. I mean, there, there, he has a style of doing this that I think players appreciate and, and he does a good job of, as we've talked about, like he, he does follow analytics closely. He believes in it really well. All the guys in the analytics department talk about what a good, um, kind of teammate Alex is in that regard, right? That he'll listen to them and they have conversations. He's genuinely interested. But Alex is also the guy who he'll play cards with the guys in the clubhouse. And you'll walk in and he's sitting in Xander's locker just talking to him about whatever. He does a good job of marrying those two, of being able to say, the numbers told me to do the bullpen this way. And now upon seeing it for two months, I can see the personal toll that's taking and I'll adjust from there. Like there, he he does he does a very good job with that. He runs a clubhouse really well. I think he runs a game really well. Um, yeah, I think that there's a there's a definite impact there. And one of the things a lot of managers in the situation that you just described and forgetting to put someone in for defense, a lot of managers, including Aaron Boone, which is one of the reasons why he frustrates me, would have tried to talk his way around it and yeah. give you some some advanced metric as to why he left him in or yeah. some bogus reason yeah. when in reality he just forgot. And you right. know what? That can be okay sometimes. Yeah, totally. don't forget in the don't forget in the playoffs. <laughs> but if you forget in April, I can forgive right. you. Yeah, yeah, it's it is it's uh it does it it gives a different a different feel to the team um, when a guy's talking about things that way. Was the Hunter Renfro trade a little weird? Because I I that went down and he had a pretty solid season yeah. thir- thirty plus doubles thirty plus home runs and they get Jackie Bradley back who's obviously a great defender but. Not much offensively anymore. Yeah, I you know, it, 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 I mean, obviously it's it's a, it's strange. I mean, it's an unusual deal. But I would also say, like, I mean, a week before the trade happened, I'd written that like they kind of were at a point with Renfro where you had to decide either you try to sign him for like a three year deal or you trade him because you know this another year of arbitration he was going to start making kind of you know, basically what he's worth, like yeah. right? Like you're no longer getting out added value out of him. And so you kind of needed to make a decision. Like, do you, do you want to kind of have this guy be your guy in right field for the next three years or so, or do you try to get something for him? And so, and then also just at the principle of you sell high on Renfro, buy low on Jackie makes sense, right? Like that's, there's obviously logic in that. And then you get prospects back. So it's easy to the, the logic of it is there, but it's still just such an odd move for a team that is clearly in contention and, and believes they can win 
to go, this guy who had a breakout year and hit 30-plus homers for us, we're just going to trade him for a guy who literally was the worst offensive player in baseball <laughs> last year. I know. Um, now, another thing they'd said was that he is, but there's it's hard to find a premier center fielder, um, a guy who can play defense that well, and, and you're playing at Fenway where right field's another center. I mean, they they, they sure. do feel like they need that. So is he going to play in right? Because you've yeah, got two so he's center fielders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're so going to that... play Jackie and right against right-handers. And, uh, and then he'll they've got a few different ways they can go against lefties. But, yeah, he's basically just going to platoon in right field. Um against right-handed pitchers and and he gives them again they're they're a big depth team they like this idea of of backup plans and so anything happens in the infield because of Kike Hernandez now you could always move your basically every position now is covered because you could always move Jackie to center where you're going to have at least premier defense there and Hernandez could come in and play second or third or short you know whatever you you he he also adds that element to them that I don't think is I don't think they dismiss that as as part of Jackie's value to them. Because he's alongside Kike, it opens up a lot of doors. Is JD going to play the outfield? That's what they tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, don't know, Cora, I don't know about just that. just said uh, in the probably the next to last week of spring training that that part of his plan for against lefties is to uh, is to play Jackie or to play. I'm sorry. Jackie against right-handers, and that JD will play the outfield against a lot of lefties. In left now, field, one thing, in yeah, in the field, yeah, he played. No, in, 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 oh, in, in left? Uh, no, in right. I'm sorry, in right. Ooh, because I mean, but like you just described, it's it's one of the it's probably the yeah. toughest right field in baseball. And that was my immediate follow-up question: was is that true at Fenway as well? Would you play him in right at Fenway? And his thing, he was just like, yeah, we just think he makes the plays. He's not going to make a great play, but we think he makes the plays, and that. Verdugo has really taken to left field and likes it, and they they just want to be able to keep him there. I don't know. Um, he also noted that there really aren't that many lefty starters in the division now. Hmm. You know, I mean, good point. Yankees have who? Jordan Montgomery. Montgomery. Um, oh, Nestor Cortez. Oh, uh, Cortez. Um, you know, I think that you know there are a few. The Orioles have a bunch, but <laughs> I don't think you're worried too much about that. Um, <laughs> So I, I don't know, and and you know they they've also been tra- they've been playing uh, Christian Arroyo out in the outfield, um, where maybe he becomes an option out there. They have uh, Rob Ref Snyder in camp as a non roster guy. And he Is he going to make the team? Old friend Ref Snyder could. I, I really think he could. He he was very good against lefties last year. Almost an eight hundred OPS. Played a lot of center field for the Twins. Um, so I mean, maybe he's an alternative, right? You get against a guy. You know, even if JD is typically the guy who's playing in the outfield against lefties, if it's a home game, you know, maybe Renfro or maybe Ref Snyder makes the team and he goes out there in those games to play. You know, there there are ways you could do this um, that kind of minimize some of the the defensive hit you'd take with JD. But but they say they're going to play him out there. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see. Were you covering the Yankees when Ref Snyder was? Oh, yeah. up, yeah. back in was that mm-hmm. 2015 the 2015 season yeah 15 yep <laughs> it was like i on the one hand i was a huge ref center guy because they were struggling with uh steven drew yeah. <laughs> at second yeah. base uh-huh. and i was like just play anyone there yeah, because yeah. anyone can be better but it's just like an example of a prospect getting completely overhyped uh, and it's not even to ref snyder's fault yeah. at all it's just we were desperate for anything right. and and uh he all the scouts were like, listen, he's a solid player, but he's not going to be anything you know, special yeah, to major right. league level. Well, he, you know what? It reminded me, too, a little bit of Nunez. It, it, yeah. in, the, in that 
it felt to me a little bit like the Yankees were always conflicted on what to do with him, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do you, you know, with like, with Nooney, it was always like, do, are, do you trust him in the field or not? Like, is he, and, and, and they never seemed to know, like they'd send him to winter ball and tell him to play shortstop all year. And then he'd come into spring training and they're like, oh, we think you're going to platoon at third. He'd be like, <laughs> what, the heck? what? Like, uh, and, and same with ref Snyder. Remember like uh, all of a sudden out of nowhere, he's playing third base in big league games. And like he'd never played third in his life, he was still learning how to play second. So it it, it always felt a little bit with him that he just—I don't know how you get comfortable in that role when like it never really seemed like the Yankees were entirely sure what to do with him. Um, and now he's kind of carved out this niche as kind of a you know right-handed bat hits lefties pretty well. Um, you know he can kind of play. I think he's primarily an outfielder now, but obviously could play second or first if you need him to. It's so, and, and that's probably kind of where he fits better. So, what's your prediction for how the the division shakes out? I, a lot of projections have the Red Sox in the the mid eighties wins, but yeah, yeah. What, what's what's your feeling? I, I mean, it, it feels so much like last year to me. Where again, you could see the way. I do think they're better than they were last year, but I mean, so are the Blue Jays. I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, so you know, how much do these guys just beat each other up again? I mean, who's going to go 17 and two against Baltimore? <laughs> right. Right. That, I mean, that's, no, no, like that's, I'm not even, I'm not kidding I'm with you. <laughs> that's yes. who's won the division. Yes. Every year. Yes. Barring the 2020 season. Yep. The Red Sox crushed Baltimore. Then the Yankees crushed Baltimore and then Tampa crushed Baltimore yep. last year. And yep. everyone else goes 500 against the other team. And then yep. you go 17 or 18 wins against Baltimore and you win the division. Yeah, I, I mean, it is, it's insane, but I do think you're exactly right. Like, you've got to take those games and just crush them. Um, yeah. And that makes all the difference. Um, because, I, do, I mean, like we said, these other, those other four teams, there are ways it could work for all four of them. Um, yeah. And, and so they're going to beat each other. One of them might, you know, whatever. Somebody emerges for one of them and just shoves and, all, you know, Severino comes back and is a stud sure. again. Like, all of a sudden, the Yankees take a step forward, right? So there are all these ways that it can either team, any team could kind of take off. Um, but I think as you look at it now, it's just, I, I don't, I have no prediction on it because I don't, they just look like a group of, it's this cluster of teams that you go, okay, let's see what happens here. Cause I, it's, it feels like a little bit of a dice roll for all of them. And with the playoffs, now you get buys in the playoffs. Like the, mm -hmm. the White Sox and the Astros are probably sitting there like, we have to just do our business and let those teams beat up on each other. Oh. And then we get our buys and then let the cards fall where they may. Yeah. That's what the plans are in those other divisions because I don't really see any of the other teams. I, Minnesota got better, but also not a ton better. Right. Um, yeah, Minnesota so. got better. Every year, the Angels look like they could be good. They haven't finished they above 500 are. in like yeah. eight years. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, yeah, it's, it seems every time I look at them, I'm like, oh, I can see how this works. I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Like, I've yeah. seen it not work way too many times to fall yeah. for this again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, and, and you know, the Mariners are maybe kind of something. I, I don't know. I, the Rangers kind of went and did a lot of things. Spent a lot of money. Them a thing? I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird, uh, everywhere else is kind of. There, there's a, a lot of stuff floating up in the air. And I mean, aside from the White Sox, I think there's who I think are really good. Um, everyone else, I think, has a lot of questions to them. And then there's the East where there's just four teams that are legitimately good. Right. All right. The last thing I want to talk to you about, you wrote an article during the lockout um, about the baseball putting in relegation. 
and how it would, <laughs> yeah, it would be yeah, really yeah. I, I loved the articles <laughs> it was really really i like how you laid it out like made made sense for someone like me who knows nothing about international soccer right um and i was like damn this actually makes a lot of freaking <laughs> sense it's not gonna happen we all no. you even acknowledge it's it's yeah. it's never gonna happen but are there a couple things that you would like to see change um not maybe rules on the field or just structure of divisions oh, or anything like that you know one thing i'm a big i'm big on is i mean another thing that would never happen i i i think they're it's an unpopular opinion but i actually think there are too many guys in minor league baseball and the, and the reason i think that is that so few of them actually make it and so I think there has to be a better way to do that, where I wonder if you could, you know, limit teams to like three minor league affiliates, but the league would then have to invest in like an independent league that's legit and that is right. happening alongside it, almost like the D league or something. And like where, where, uh, you know, you'll get, you know, I mean, guys who are like four a players and all these guys on minor league deals right now, those guys have no choice, but to sign with a team and then hope a door opens, Right. And, and if they, the difference between that they signed with this team and nobody got hurt, or if they'd signed over here and everybody got hurt, this guy, same player, this one gets half a season in the big leagues and this one is stuck in AAA all year. And it's all because you just picked the wrong team. Right. So I think if you had fewer minor league affiliates, fewer minor league spots, you'd have a, there's another league happening alongside it where those guys could go and, you know, whatever, there are six teams there just full of players. And then they're available. So a team, you know, calls up its one extra infielder out of AAA and then they can go pluck somebody from that. And now you're in a team where like, you're the next guy up, right? Instead right. of just like you signed and hope something happens. Same with, you know, if you could have a league of like guys who went undrafted, because obviously you'd have to have the draft a lot smaller and they get similar deal. They get to go play and actually show off whether than rather than end up you know, sitting on the bench in low A somewhere. Um, I don't know. I just think that there's, I, I wish there was something that could happen where there were more opportunities for guys because everything gets better for players when they, when, I mean, that's why they want free agency. That's why the rule five draft matters. It's, when you open that, yeah. up the world to them where other teams can sign them, that's better. And um, so I kind of think about that a little bit, that I, I, I wish there were some mechanism whereby players could, could keep themselves available Um without just being stuck at home, you know, waiting for a deal. Uh, but I, I don't know how it could possibly work really, but I, I wish there was something like that. Yeah. It's interesting because it's something the lockout really didn't address, right? We're talking mm -hmm. about the the players union, which is the the players on the 40 man roster. And yeah. there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of guys not on 40 man rosters. Like you just described, just hoping and praying, not hoping someone gets injured, but hoping someone Right. Something happens to someone and they get a they get a, yeah. a door open for them. Or yeah. they are like, Do I go play in Japan? Do I go play in Korea? And right. make a little bit more money, but I'm in a foreign country where I don't speak the language. So Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I and I wonder if you could do, you know, especially with guys who are like undrafted guys, if you you know, independent league, you know, say you have if you're in the Boston area, right? Just if you could, you know, you load up your roster with like minor league free agents who play briefly for the Red Sox and then undrafted guys out of new England colleges. Like now is there kind of like a little bit of a local attraction too, you know, with like having this little league here. And I don't know, I would think that there's some way to do it where you could, 
you could have another, you know, a version of baseball that's still popular in these, in like minor league towns. Yeah. Um, and that also feeds the big leagues in a different way. Have you been out to a Woo Sox game yet? I have been to a Woo Sox game. It's a nice ballpark. Yeah, I, so, mean, I spent a lot of years covering AAA ball in Scranton, so I, I've I've gone uh, I've gotten used to. I, I like AAA parks. You know, they're they're some of them are, especially now that they're replacing a lot of them and um, getting some nicer facilities. They're, they're pretty cool. I actually have uh, it's a little bit of sentimental uh, value to me because I'm from Rhode Island. So the oh, okay. the, the Pawtucket Red Sox, yeah, even sure. though I was not a Red Sox fan, obviously. We used to go to those games so often in the summer, and any time yeah. that the Yankees, which was then Columbus, was mm-hmm. was in town, we would go to those games. So it was a little bit sad to see the the Paw Sox leave for for Worcester, but yeah, I, I have seen online that the stadium looks yeah, the beautiful. stadium's great. And again, it's nice. I like any time a, a team's affiliate is pretty close to its to the major league team, right? And obviously they had that in in Pawtucket too, but it, you know that they didn't have to go far away you know that it's still right here you know like 45 minutes down the road is nice 45 minutes or three hours of traffic yeah right (laughs) exactly right (laughs) all right chad well thank you so much for joining me always so fun to talk to you um and we'll catch up later down the road on on how it's going between the yankees red sox and the rest of the division yeah it sounds great let me know anytime hey guys thanks for listening to the bronx pinstripe show Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.